God bless you, sir. Good morning again. It's good to see you. It's been a while since I've been here to Adna to speak. And I was kind of surprised when David called me a week or so ago and wanted to know if I could come and be with you today while he was on vacation. And I quickly accepted because I always loved to come to Adna and speak. A few things that have been going on in my life since uh, the last time I was here. We've got a new car. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a biggie for me. I don't buy cars till the wheels fall off the one I'm driving. And uh, we had uh, that old gray Mercury of ours. and I had driven it for nine years, and I thought, well, it's time to change. And so we went out, and Hazel had always wanted a red car. And I promised her the next car we bought would be red. And so we went out, and we bought a ruby red Ford Fusion with mag wheels and the, and the scoop on the back and all this. And one of my grandsons said, Papa, I believe you're having a midlife crisis. <laughs> And I told him, I said, I think I'm a little old for midlife crisis. <laughs> That's long past. But we've been enjoying, been enjoying our ride, especially when it comes time to go to the gas tank. It's, it's been real nice. But it is good to be with you today. I'd like to read for you the gospel lesson for the day, which is found in Luke's gospel, 18th chapter, beginning at the 9th and reading down through the 14th verses. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income, but the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. Mark Twain, that great novelist of another generation, once wrote a story about a man by the name of Captain Stormfeld in St. Peter. It seems that Captain Stormfeld died and he went to heaven and he got to the pearly gates and there stood Peter. And Captain Stormfeld looked at him for a while and he, he looked at him and said, well, and Peter said, what? He said, look at me. And, and Peter looked at him. And he said, don't you know? He said, what? He said, where's my halo? Where's my harp? Where's my white robe? Where are there all these things that are supposed to be? You see, Captain Stormfell has sat through many a sermon on heaven. And this was what he was expecting. And Peter said, well, I don't know anything about those things. And Captain Stormfell looked at him and said, well, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but said, you've been a member of the kingdom for a long time, and you sure don't seem to know much about it. (laughs) You know, that's the way we are sometimes, isn't it? We've been a member of the kingdom for a long time, maybe, and we still don't know a whole lot about it. 
These two men went up to pray. One, the Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee was a good church, folks. He tithed. He went to temple. He went to church. We would have loved to have him in the church because he would have been a good member. He'd have been here. Come rain or come shine, he would have been here. The tax collector worked for the Roman government and was hated by everybody. Because you see, the Roman government said, well, you've got to collect so much in taxes. And then you can collect whatever else you can get out of people and keep it for yourself. And so the Roman ta- the tax collector was one of the most hated people in town. And yet, here they were, both at the temple. The Pharisee standing over in the corner, lifting up his hands and looking up to heaven and saying, Oh God, here I am. I've done all these things. The law required we fast once a week. I do it twice a week. The law requires we give a tenth. I give a tenth. I do all these things that I'm supposed to do. Said, I'm glad I'm not like that guy sitting over in the corner praying to himself. He's no good. Meanwhile, over in the corner, the poor tax collector, not even bothering to look up, not even lifting his hands to heaven, beats himself on the chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, and I like to think about it for a while, that we are inadequate, aren't we? When we stop and think about it, when we approach the throne of God, when we approach the altar to take communion, when we do anything, we are inadequate. We aren't up to the task. Because what does Paul tell us? He says, we're all sinners. Everyone. Everyone of us is a sinner. Lord John Ogilvy a great Christian writer talks about the gift of inadequacy, realizing that we are only able to do things by the grace of God, that we need God, that we need to depend upon God. I read a story about a teacher one time who was a middle school teacher. And she says she began her career as a teacher. She was all excited and full of get up and go because she thought God had called her to be a teacher and soon she forgot about God. She began thinking about what she was doing in the classroom. And she said she began to doubt her calling as a teacher. And she began to worry about it. And she began to finally pray about it. And she found her joy in teaching once more. She found her life. She said God taught her how to teach, how to pray, and how to live. Because she realized she couldn't do it. By herself. You know, teachers are important people. I think they're called. I remember Miss Kathleen Armstrong taught my father in the fourth grade, taught me in the fourth grade. And when I was serving a church here at the old Main Street Church, I used to visit a nursing home on Fridays twice a month and warm up my Sunday sermon. Well, Miss Kathleen was a patient at the nursing home. And one day I walked past her as I was going to, to speak to the rest of the residents. And I just walked past her and said, how are you today, Kathleen? And I walked on. I went and did my devotional. I came back and went by her room to speak to her and spend a little time with her. And the first thing she said was, Jerry, who is Kathleen? And I said, Miss Kathleen, you know who I was talking about. 
And I went home, told Hazel, she said, she's still correcting you, isn't she? <laughs> you know? But teachers are special people. They're called by God, I feel. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to put up with all the nonsense they have to put up with as teachers. But that's a calling. The Pharisee didn't realize his own inadequacy. He wanted to place God in the ritual, whereas the tax collector wanted to place God in his heart and in his life. And that's the difference. When we realize that we are inadequate, then we want God in our lives to help us. Second, we draw closer to God and to to others when we're able to accept our own shortcomings and rely upon God's grace instead of our own power, our own thinking, our own doing. For after all, we are all sinners. We're all inadequate. Dennis King tells a woman who cries at communion service, said every time they have communion at church, she comes to the altar and she gets up. She's crying as she goes back to her seat. So one day he asked her, so why is it every time you come to communion, you cry? She said, well, when I come to communion, I think about what Jesus has done for me, how he died for me. And I feel like the only appropriate response is to cry. To cry. The feeling, the sense of inadequacy. The tax collector felt inadequate. And he trusted in God and not in himself. And what did Jesus say about the tax collector? He said he went home justified. Went home justified, made right by God in God's sight. Because of his humility, because of his sense of inadequacy. And third, we can help others when we're willing to confess our own inadequacy. To say, I don't know. To say, I don't know. If you ask me a question, I don't know, I'll tell you, I don't know. We were in Sunday school a few weeks ago. And this one woman was talking about dogs going to heaven. And she wanted me to say, that's true. I said, I don't know. But I've never read in the Bible where dogs go to heaven. But you know, if there's a dog dog heaven, I'm sure they're there. Because they're loyal and they're faithful creatures. Some of us, some people are intimidated by us in the church. They are made to feel inadequate by our own actions, by what we say and by what we do. Years ago, on my first appointments, I had a young woman who had a baby out of wedlock. Everybody was shocked in the community. They didn't realize that she was even expecting. The girl had sung in the choir at church. And so after she had the baby, gave the baby up for adoption, she came back to church one Sunday and wanted to sing in the choir. And I told her to go ahead. You know what happened? The chairman of that board of that church quit church because that girl sang in the choir. He didn't realize his own inadequacy. He thought it was a shame that she should sit up front and sing in the choir. I thought it was great that she even wanted to. Inadequacy. We are all inadequate for life. We're all inadequate for life. We don't have the strength and the courage and the faith we need to really live life at its best. 
because we're always scared. We're scared of what somebody's going to say about us. We're going to scare. We're scared of what somebody's going to do to us. We're scared about so many things that we can't truly live. And when we finally get to the point that we say, okay, Lord, I can't do anything by myself and call on him for help. The amazing thing is he helps us. And that's good news. That's good news. Gail Godwin, the daughter of an Episcopal, Episcopal pastor, writes in her book, Father's Melancholy's Daughters, Daughter, describes the experience of a man who was a professor in college and he was disgraced and he had to resign from his position in the university or take an early retirement. And yet the first Sunday after he resigned, he was at church and he went up, he dared to go up and take communion, but he didn't stay for the coffee hour after church. He left. And one lady walked up to the pastor and, and said, you know who was, it's a shame that you know who came to communion. And the pastor looked at her and said in a loud voice, you know, Jesus said, no, it was said, I came to save sinners and not the righteous. And you know who said that? We are inadequate. We do need God's help. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And we need to realize that. And we need to help everyone feel welcome who comes in our church, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are. We need to realize that we're only here because of the grace of God. We're only here because of what God has already done in our lives. And that shouldn't make us self-righteous. That should make us very, very humble to think that Almighty God's Son died on the cross for your sins and mine. And that doesn't give us the right to look at somebody else and say, you're a sorry sinner. That does give us the right to say, God loves you in spite of what you've done. And God wants you to be in a right relationship with him. No one should be intimidated by us, for none of us have harps, halos, or a set of wings. We are members of the kingdom, and we should look and act like we're members of the kingdom and have compassion and show mercy to everyone and to show love to everyone. That's why when we come here week after week, isn't it? We come here to experience once more that grace, that love that has been shown to us by God. We don't come here to boast of our accomplishments. We are forgiven and saved by grace alone. Not by what we have done, but by what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. May God give us the courage and the strength to admit that we are inadequate to the task to which we have been called. Amen. And amen. Amen.